Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by listennotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you're joining us. You know, if you've been listening recently, you've heard several sessions with our guest today, Scott Wright. And we've done a deep dive on the book of Revelation, the seven church ages. If you missed any of those episodes, go back to the archives and look them up because it's such important information that we need in this day and time we live. As a matter of fact, we talked about the year 2038 and the significance of that. But Scott's back with us today, and he's been teaching on all these different things from the book of Revelation and the church today. And today we'll be talking about the declarations of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, Scott's also a podcaster, a truly great podcast, the guy Center Concept, and he's also published a, a book, a journal called God Center Concept Journal, Making God's Word My Ways. So help me welcome back to the program today, Scott Rice. Scott, it is such a blessing to have you come back and join us today. Bob, thanks for having me on the show, and I look forward to another fun discussion that uh, always sends, seems to emerge as we're speaking. Oh, amen, amen. Well, today we'll be discussing the declarations of Jesus based upon the chapters 1 through 5 in the book of Revelation. So I guess the first question would be, what are the declarations of Jesus? So I titled this out, Declaration of Jesus, and actually, if you go on my uh, journal that I've posted on Amazon for people to buy— there's two pages listed on those declarations according to Revelations chapters one through five. Here's the thing. I I always like to go in and, and when I'm reading the book of Revelation, especially when I'm reading about the ages of the church, I've learned to not focus on the prophecy the, at first, but to focus on who Jesus is. Because the fulfillment of prophecy is all about who God and who Jesus, who they are and who the Holy Spirit is. Because at the end of the day, our relationship with God and our trust in him is really going to be equated to how well we know him. And it's it's his job to put it out there for us to pursue, but we have to pursue that knowledge. And we have we not only should be praying for it, but we have to pursue that knowledge. Yeah. Amen. Just like it says in the book of James, faith or belief without action is just dead. It's not real faith. So... It's the same thing here. These declarations are tremendously important because they give us insight into who Jesus is and helps us to connect with him at deeper levels. And it also gives us that picture of God to just get, help us get a better grasp of who he is and just to get to know him better. You know, any relationship is about it should evolve and it should keep evolving into you getting to know better. So, Bob, yeah. you're married. It's the same thing with your wife. You know, at some yeah. point... If you've been married for a while, hopefully you're starting to get to know each other a little bit better. Hopefully I hadn't been, you know, if you've been married for 20 years, you two have been in your own little separate worlds and boxes and you you know how to say hi and good night. I mean, hopefully, hopefully there's a little bit more to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 45 years. I kind of figured her out. All right. Exactly. And I'm yeah. guessing she probably has you figured out. 
Yeah. And I, so, I figured out, you know, I get asked sometimes what, what's the secret to longevity and, and marriage like that? I said, Oh, it's real simple. Just got to know three things. You're right. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. And you're done. <laughs> <laughs> Works every time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't go much different with our relationship with God. Sometimes, you know, we, uh, we realize he's right. We're wrong. And we're, we're sorry. the ones confessing and <laughs> we're sorry. And, and we need our correction. So, <laughs> Amen. Amen. but, but bottom line is, is that learning these declarations helps us connect at deeper levels with Christ. Look, Paul talked about spiritual milk and not growing past that yeah. and how there are, I believe the church right now is full of this. And a lot of it is, is because they're in such a busy rush that they don't understand what's really there for them to grasp onto. They don't yeah. see the value in pursuing that relationship with God mm-hmm. and what that'll lead to. I do discipleship mentoring. And when I'm doing those mentoring sessions, I'm always somehow including that deeper level of connection with God, because I know that will lead to the other pieces, evangelizing to other people, more confidence in talking about having those gospel conversations. You know, you've done seminary work before and parts of that you were learning the Bible, but what you were really learning is who God was and who he is really not who he was, who he is. And it helps you to connect deeper to that because if we're not connecting deeper, then how can we train the next generation of believers? Yeah. That's being lost right now. We are losing this battle. And so I have, I already put this in my first initial just generic journal. The second one that I'm writing now, and of course I gave you a little quick promo on one of the main uh, units of that devotional. This is going to end up being a devotional that is going to focus on some different aspects. And one of them is going to really focus on getting to know God at a deeper level. Yeah. Not only the process he's given us to connect to him, but just simply who he is. And so we're going to, we're going to use that biblical text. So I'll give you a couple examples here. So go over some of the declarations first. Well, you know, and so if you, for one thing, if you're at home reading, you can, if you study chapters just two and three, and you look at the very beginning of each of those ages of the church, Ephesus, Philadelphia, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, you know, whichever one you want to look at. They give a they give declarations of Jesus at the very beginning. So, for instance, Ephesus, that's chapter two, starting with verse one. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. Go down to verse eight. This is Smyrna. These are the words of the first and the last who died and returned to life. Again, Pergamum, what is verse 12? These are the words of the one who holds the sharp, double-edged sword. Go all the way down, verse 18. These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like a blazing fire and whose feet are like polished bronze. You know, go over to chapter 3, again, verse 1. These are the words of the one who holds the seven spirits of God, and the seven stars jump down to the church of philadelphia verse seven 
These are the words of the one who is holy and true, who holds the keys, the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. Again, Laodicea, verse 14. These are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the originator of God's creation. And then one that we'll talk about in a future episode, you and I have already sort of been talking about it off the air. And if you if you go all the way down and you look at verse five and you go about halfway into that verse, these are the seven spirits of God. And then go to verse six. And before the throne was something like a sea of glass. So it starts to give these descriptions of God in a very interesting way. We learn from here that there are actually seven spirits of God. And yeah. so the book of Revelation gives all this. And we have to understand, even when it talks about God on the throne, Jesus is a representation. He is not only God, but he's also the representation of God here on earth for us in all manifested in all these different ways. The first time he manifested himself as a lamb both in the flesh and in the spirit. And so we know that, and he died for us, and then he resurrected to give us eternal life. But now he has become more. He has become more. Not that he are, he wasn't already those things, but at that time while he was on earth, he focused just on that aspect, on, in, on those aspects. And the spirit of God rested on him at that time, and he was wise and could heal and do all those things. But he put these other pieces aside until he had fulfilled the scriptures of his first coming. Right. And now, right now, he is the bride, he is the groom waiting on his bride. And once once the father says, okay, here we go, let's go get him, let's go get the bride, then all of these other declarations, not only do they hold true, but they are going to be fulfilled. Yeah. And I think Rapidly. that's so important. Yeah. And, and, and really, um, there's, there's a show called before the wrath and it's a docudrama and I encourage everybody to, to listen to that Kevin Sorbo is the narrator and I've watched it. So if you're looking at this history of marriage and, and I studied it for 18 months and this particular subject is massive. And I, I honestly didn't understand why I was being led to study it. And it really wasn't until here in the last couple of weeks that I have gotten a full glimpse of why. There's been parts of it as, as God has put in my heart and revealed to me why. Now I know the total picture. And it's this. If you watch the movie Before the Wrath, it gives a good explanation of how the end relates to the ancient Hebrew ritual of betrothal and marriage. Because it's like Jesus is the groom, God is the father, and we, the church, are the bride. And we're in a process right now of waiting. See, what would happen during this betrothal period is the when they would come forward, when all the people, you know, if the father was alive and the son obviously be alive because he's the one wanting to marry this girl and the girl and her family and, and all the pieces were intact and everybody was that way. There would be adjustments they would make 
that could be made if if somebody wasn't alive. But the main players were the son, the father of the son, and then the parents of the bride and the bride. Those would be basically the five main players in this. And what would happen is, is the father of the son would pay the bride's parents the money to basically the right to have her. The son would present his case. The father would pay the endowment. And so there was endowments set aside and and what that value was and all those things. I'm not going to get into all that. But after that was done, okay, and this is important, the son, usually they would, they would, they would share some kind of a, they would all get a, you know, get a drink of wine, but the son would hand the bride a cup of wine during the betrothal period. The bride would have to choose to drink it. It was still her choice. If she drank it, that symbolized that they were now legally betrothed. And in Jewish society, they were married. That means they were connected. They were not allowed to be pursued or pursue anyone else, period. However, once that was done, the the parents of uh, the father of the son and the bride's parents would not allow them to see each other until the time when the father, the, the, the father's, the son, his father would say, okay, we're going to go get your bride. And they would always go during the night. And it may be nine months. It may be 10 months. It may be a year, maybe a year and a couple of months. I mean, that father was the only one who knew the time when this would be selected. And then he would get up and it would usually be at night. Just about every time it'd always be at night. That was kind of the ritual. And that father would look at the son and say, he'd wake him up and say, okay, it's time. That's why it says in the Bible that only the father knows the hour. It relates back to that ritual. Most people don't even understand what that ritual even was. See, we have lost these teachings along the way. That's right. To truly understand God we have to go back to that culture. I would challenge pastors out there in these churches to and not necessarily to stop reading the Bible for a couple of months in your church, but to sort of put it on a par and subject everything to the Hebrew culture of that time and go through a process of teaching them that culture and to see everything in that. If you go to episode two of my podcast, I give a real brief description of Greek versus Hebrew culture. And if you're witnessing to somebody, you sort of need to test whether they are what I would call they're kind of a Hebrew or they're Greek and meaning the amount of information they know. So you know where to start when you're talking to them, because Paul witnessed very differently to Greeks than he would to Jews of that time. Jews knew everything. They just needed a few extra incentives to really understand that this guy, Jesus, actually fulfilled what they'd been waiting for. Were Greeks, you had to start from Genesis 1 1. (laughs) So it's just a totally different thing. And in this particular case, I think we have lost where we've lost this is we've stopped saying the names of God and declaring them. And the declarations of Jesus in Revelation is a really good place for us to start Mm -hmm. because of where we are in history anyway. Mm -hmm. But it also gives us that connector. 
So one of the things that I do every day to implement is I have a list of just God's names that I say out loud during prayer time. And I also make these declarations of Jesus over everything. And I do that for a reason. First of all, I was led to do it, number one. But I do it because it commits to memory and into what I call my cellular memory so that I'm practicing them all the time. I will tell you, when I feel something not just right anymore, like that I might be on the verge of doing something that God does not want me to do, or I'm not doing something that God does, doing this every day helps me correct that faster. Amen. Because it may, because you are committed. Okay. We used to say when I was coaching, your level of commitment will be determined what you do when nobody else is looking. Yeah. Yep. It truly is. That's right. That's called integrity too. Exactly. We use it in the military, you know, or, you know, they'll, they'll have, I remember one qualification course, uh, we had to do, you know, like 20 push push-ups and whatever it was, you know, at that point and all that. And they actually had trail cams set up that we didn't see, didn't even know we're there. They're watching each person there. Some go up they do like three and then move on. Because it's yep. a timed course, right? And uh, when they get back, they say, you did everything? Yep. Okay. So-and-so, come here. I say, you did everything. You did You did all, whatever you had, whatever the exercise was. Yep, sure did. He goes, you did all, all of them. Yep. Okay. Tell us what this is. And they played a video. <laughs> and hey, the film it. don't lie. Yeah. And they said, you're done. Pack your gear, you know, at, at the qualification school because you're done. It's over. You lied. That's yep. the way it is. You know, they're not going to deal with it. And uh, So everyone that did what they were supposed to do went on to the next phase. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, know, you didn't even know they were watching. I mean, it was just trail cams, you know, watching that little area. You, know, you come up, punch your ticket, do your push-ups or leg lifts or whatever it said you were supposed to do and the number you were supposed to do, and uh, and off you went. But, uh yeah, out of uh, something like 40 people, they got rid of three or four the first time they did that. You know, it's like, goodbye, you're done. So, so yeah, yeah I understand. what yeah, I, I can fully relate to everything that you're talking about. Praise the Lord. And Let me so, ask you this, though. Yeah, go ahead. Are, you, know, you read about the seven stars in Jesus' hand. What are the seven stars? Well, that's an interesting thing. That actually, in the book of Revelation, and I'm just going to go and read because it tells us what they are. Mm-hmm. We don't even have to guess. It already explains it. And that explanation tells you everything you need to know. So let's go to the verse. And it says it right here. Let's go to verse 19 and 20 of chapter 1 of Revelation. It's a, it says, therefore, write down the things you have seen. And he, Jesus is talking to John here. And the things that are and the things that will happen after this. This is the mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Yeah. So right there, Revelation tells us what it is. We don't even have to guess. I don't even have to pray about that. I can read it right there and it just tells me exactly what it is. So, so. Why is Jesus holding the seven angels for the seven churches? What do you mean holding, holding them back from going down and ministering to them? What's well, the case think, there? 
Think about this. Those are the seven ages. So he's holding them in his hand. He is determining when each one of them is going to fulfill their part. Amen. That's what he's doing. I mean, think about it. You have the first angel Mm -hmm. and we talked about that. That was a hundred years. And then he says, okay. And he says, the second angel sends him out. That's 200 years. And then the third, that went about 200 more. And then that certain event, he and think about it, he's pulling them back too. And then he's sending out that fourth one. I almost think it's kind of like tag team wrestling. One angel goes out, they slap hands, the other one comes Amen. back. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But I'm, I'm going to say this, that fourth angel, that fourth angel was there for a while. Yeah, This guy must have had some serious endurance because he was there for a thousand years. That's right. <laughs> so Amen. by far the longest age. And then, of course, I'm, I'm sure when the fifth angel, he's like, thank you, tag team, boom, he's back, and here comes the fifth angel. <laughs> and then the sixth and then the seventh. So the seventh is in place right now, yeah. seventh angel. I kind of am curious, this seventh angel, I wonder if he has, you know, a lot of airbags. You know, <laughs> you know the little airbags they tell you when you're not feeling well on the airplane? Mm-hmm. because it does say in the book of revelation you're lukewarm and therefore i will spit you or vomit you out of my mouth <laughs> yeah. sure amen. that angel's done a lot of that amen amen because amen. just how just how well, inept and so much apathy yeah that's the big with, thing is the apathy with, it's the apathy within the church i mean it's just and and that apathy has led basically resting on your laurels and be a little bit too comfortable what it's done is it's led us abandoning the truth because it's like, well, I don't really need this. So why do I need to follow it? So why does it matter? And then over a period of time, and then you just kind of forget about it. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what's happened. Matter of fact, in that age of the church, which is the age we now live in, if you go, you go right down again, and you start reading the verses. Here it is, verse 17. It says, you say, I am rich. I have grown wealthy and need nothing. Don't you, I mean, hey, we can watch YouTube and we can figure out how to do anything. We don't need anybody's help. I mean, people have lost their need for God and each other. And so the first and second greatest commandments are just been abandoned Totally, because I can just do it myself. I don't need this. Amen. Amen. I, you know, and I, I do mentoring as well as that I teach in classrooms and, and stuff. And, and, of course, I do all that. And I'm always paying attention to, and I'm trying to assess people on need. Okay. And that's just something I do. And it relates to this. But so many people have all these needs and they don't realize it. It's just they're deceived to what needs they really have. Oh, yeah. They really do. And the thing is, is God is the one that wants to meet all those needs. You know, these declarations of Jesus, just think of it this way. He has all these declarations. That means he has all these things and even more. He ca- he is capable of wearing many hats and meeting all your needs. There's no other person that can do all of this. So if, th- if, if, <laughs> Jesus can hold seven stars in his right hand. I want you to think about this. Then I would imagine that he can help T.S. Wright and that he can help Bob Thibodeau or Pastor Bob right here. I mean, I am guessing he can do that. And I'm guessing 
He can come into your church and into your home and take care of the needs and even expose the needs that you have that you don't even realize you need. Mm-hmm. Because when you have, here's what, here's what happens to a person. And we, when I'm working this out with people, when they're mentoring, sometimes half my battle is to get them to realize what it is they really need. You know, when, when somebody is caught, look, when somebody has a stronghold or they have sin in their life that they can't rid themselves of, it's that sin usually is not the issue. The sin is a symptom of what the real issue is. And see, we all have these voids in our life and God built us with those voids so he could connect to us. He wants to connect to us. But what happens is, is we, instead of searching him in those voids and him being our go-to, it's kind of a test. It really is a test. We choose other things. And then what happens is, is we open the door for ungodly attachments to come in. And those can come in many forms. They can be fleshly. They can just be worldly ideology and, or they can be demonic. I mean, it's, there's all kinds of different types of attachments and then they will carry us in a direction away from God and just keep pushing us further away from God because we keep thinking we don't need him. We can solve our own problems these other ways. Hey folks, Pastor Bob here. We are all out of time for today's portion of another great interview with our good friend Scott Wright. Now today, Scott's been sharing with us some important information concerning our topic, the declarations of Jesus. Hey man, he's been sharing a lot of information with us over these past several episodes, but you know, all the way from the seven ages of the church, all the way up to current events in the news and how they relate to the end times. But the declarations of Jesus, I would venture to say, are probably one of the most important topics we can study overall. I mean, it's the reason his words are in red in the Bible, because they are that important. Glory to God. I pray you're getting a lot of information that's just building your faith up because of these interviews. Amen. The good news is Scott will be back in the very next episode to continue our discussion of the declarations of Jesus. Amen. Till then, this is Pastor Bob reminding you, be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do.